our investors were people who actually were Nuzzle users. And when we saw that um, some amazing uh, investors and CEOs were using Nuzzle, we hit them up for investing when we were fundraising, and that worked very well for us. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Before we jump into today's interview, if you guys could leave a review and a rating and also subscribe as well, that would be a huge help to the podcast. So if you actually enjoy the content and you'd like to hear more of it, please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well. Thanks so much. Okay, everybody. Today we have Jonathan Abrams, who is the CEO of Nuzzle, which allows you to discover top news from friends and influencers. Jonathan was also previously the founder of Friendster, which was a forerunner to Facebook and had over 100 million members. Jonathan, how's it going? It's good. Good to talk to you. Yeah, good to have you here. So why don't you tell us, I guess, a question for you, which is a loaded one. What is your story? (laughs) Well, uh, if you mean uh, the story of my career, I mean, I originally began as a software engineer, and uh, then I became an entrepreneur, started my first company uh, in around 99, and uh, now uh, I'm working on number four, which is Nuzzle. Got it. Okay, cool. And tell me a little bit, uh, how does Nuzzle work exactly? How does it help people? So there's sort of two phases to the evolution of Nuzzle. What we started off with originally was more focused on personal news discovery, so giving people personalized recommendations of news that's really relevant to them, using social signals and and without requiring them to have any do any work. You don't have to go in and list a topics you're interested in or anything like that. And we launched that around two years ago, first on web and email, then we added iPhone, and then we added Android. And that's what a lot of people uh, know Nuzzle for. And then uh, just a few months ago, we're very excited that we've launched a new platform. Uh, it's sort of a new direction for Nuzzle that now also allows people to create email newsletters using Nuzzle. So a lot of uh, the email newsletters that people get are sort of curated links, often links to different sort of uh, news stories that somebody has found or recommended, sometimes with some commentary. And we've created a way that people can do those kind of newsletters in minutes rather than hours. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. You know what? I, I've been getting pushed to use the, the newsletter thing. I, I've actually never opened it yet. But and just just for just for context for everyone, every day when I roll out of my bed, Nuzzle is one of the first apps I open to see what the heck's going on in the world. Um, just because um, you know it, it pulls from you know people that I follow on Twitter, for example. And you know, not a lot of people use Twitter nowadays, but still, for me, Twitter is uh, number one kind of you know news channel for me. I, I've kind of you know set up, set up these different lists. Um, but still, at the same time, I mean, when I when I use a tool like Nuzzle, there's only you know a certain number of people that I follow. It certainly helps make my life a lot easier. How does the newsletter work exactly? What how does it help people? I guess. Well, it's pretty interesting. So you know, I love Twitter like you. Uh, the reason I started Nuzzle was because I discovered that the more I got excited by Twitter, the more I started following interesting people, people I didn't know, uh, maybe people like yourself or journalists or designers or interesting people that were sharing interesting content. And the more I did that, though, then I, I realized eventually I just couldn't keep up. So that's why I needed a tool to help me use Twitter effectively. But the thing we realized is, as you alluded to earlier, not everybody uses Twitter. In fact, 
probably around at least 75% of people in America don't use Twitter. Um, and so that sort of was a little bit limiting the impact of Nuzzle. Uh, we also connect with Facebook and are going to integrate with other uh, services in the future as well. But then we also realized a lot of people don't actually use news apps or news aggregation tools. So uh, people like journalists or entrepreneurs or VCs or people like yourself probably were sort of news junkies and, and power users and early adopters. And we know about, at the very least, if not use, things like Twitter and RSS and Flipboard and Nuzzle and all that kind of stuff. But the sort of mainstream audience uh, doesn't really use those things. And we realized, you know, the, the, the vision and mission of Nuzzle was really to connect everybody on the internet with the stuff they really need to know about, which I don't think is the stuff they're seeing on Facebook. But these kind of news apps are just not something that everybody's going to use, you know, even more so if, if it's something that really works best for people who've really curated a great list of people to follow on Twitter. So we realized that email newsletters, it's kind of an old school thing, but they're hotter than ever right now. And email newsletters are sort of a logical successor. You're getting a newspaper on your doorstep. And it's something that, that doesn't require an account, doesn't require an app, just requires an email address. And everybody has email. It's very ubiquitous. And it's a really easy way of getting content. Um, so somebody who who's knows about Twitter and RSS and Nuzzle can be doing all the curation and figuring out the right stuff, but then they just send it to somebody and they get it right in their inbox. And that's really a, a much more easy use case. The flip side of it is we noticed that the people who were using Nuzzle, many of these people are famous people, they're influencers, they're all sorts of interesting people, and they're on social media, they're on podcasts like this one, they're writing stuff on Medium, they're posting stuff on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn, and, and they're building their own brands, they're trying to influence people, they're trying to promote certain content, but the reality is a lot of it doesn't actually get through. So probably 90% of your fans and followers on Twitter and Facebook don't even see a lot of the stuff you post. So if you're in somebody's email inbox, that's a way to get much higher engagement and build uh, a relationship with people that's not going to get filtered out by Facebook. So the idea is, okay, let's say let's say I have my account and I'm going to open up my app right now. So people can follow, uh, follow my newsletter and get, get like a weekly digest. Is that how it works? They can subscribe to it. It's an email newsletter, so you would subscribe to it just like any other email newsletter. Um, you don't need a Twitter account. You don't need a Nuzzle account. You just subscribe to it with an email address. And, um, you know, somebody like you is an example of somebody maybe who should have a newsletter. I mean, you have a podcast. You're on social media. You have uh, your own marketing firm. You're trying to, you know, to promote yourself as a thought leader. And uh, you're probably reading stuff all the time. I mean, you're using Nuzzle every day. So you could be also creating a newsletter with just a few taps of your phone using Nuzzle, and then people could subscribe to that with nothing more than an email address. So that means all sorts of people who are interested in you and the things that you are an expert on, the things that you're interested in, the things that you have to say, but don't follow you on Twitter because they don't even use Twitter. This is something they could subscribe to, and they just get it right in their email inbox, and then they'd see you know, the content and news that you – know, things that you think are interesting that you're recommending with your content commentary. Uh, and uh, then they can also, you know, respond back to you and say, oh, I thought this was really interesting. Um, it can be a, you know, real platform for engagement. Great. And so there's, there's no charge for getting people to subscribe or to have a newsletter? No, there's no, uh, there's no charge. And, you know, our, this is still a very new emerging platform for us, but our, our vision for it really is thinking that we're going to sort of build a network of newsletters and then put uh, relevant uh, native advertising in the newsletters. That actually goes into my next question, how, how are you guys going to make money? But I, I guess that, that that's part of it. So how do you guys, I guess, what's the complete story? How are you guys going to make money? Native advertising ads, what else? Yeah, so, um, you know, we think that when people get an email newsletter, 
that they're opening because it's really good that they're that are opening every morning to click on stuff. Uh, they're sort of in the mode to be clicking on things, and some of those could be sponsored, uh, native advertisements, sponsored stories, hopefully relevant to the the topic of those newsletters, and we think that could work pretty well. Interesting. Okay, so th- it's not exactly like Pocket, but you know, similar in, in that respect, how they're selling ads right now, right? Well, Pocket does have an email, and they do have ads in it, so that's, that's similar. I mean, what Pocket and Nuzzle do are very complementary, and we integrate with Pocket. So our our certainly our features are different, but yes, it is true that they have uh, that they do have uh, email ads, yeah, and uh, and their email ads are kind of like a, a sponsored story. Great. Okay. Well, so I mean, you know, you've raised you know three point four or whatever it is exactly. You've raised from guys like Chris Saka from Lowercase and a bunch of other great investors. I don't even remember how I discovered you guys. How are you guys growing right now? How did you guys go about acquiring, let's just say, the first? I don't know, thousand customers. Well, you know, we haven't done any paid acquisition. Uh, we started off really uh, just sort of creating a great tool and putting it out there. Um, and what we found was that certain types of people have found it. So, for example, you know, you mentioned Chris Echo. A lot of our investors, and we're talking about a pretty crazy group of people, you know, people like Chris Echo or, or Mark Benioff. Maybe many of our investors were people who actually were Nuzzle users. And when we saw that um, some amazing uh, investors and CEOs were using Nuzzle, we hit them up for investing when we were fundraising, and that worked very well for us. But the way they found it, um, a lot of it was just referrals through word of mouth. And then uh, there's also been uh, a lot of press coverage. Nuzzle's pretty popular with uh, journalists and media people, so that probably has helped us get coverage uh, in the press. Uh, just last month in December, we were uh, in uh, New York Times. Um, I guess it was something like the best apps of the year. Uh, also, Time Magazine's best apps of the year, and, and uh, Google Play uh, their best apps of the year. So a bunch of those. So, and we've been featured by Apple and Google. So I think there's a variety of the ways that people are finding out about Nuzzle. And you certainly see people on Twitter often tweeting, you know, oh my God, I just found Nuzzle. It's really great. Everybody should try it. Things like that. But ultimately, we still realized that as much as the people who use Nuzzle rave about it, that sort of a, an app-centric approach was was limiting to some people, that we thought that we'd be able to reach a bigger audience by having sort of a core group using an app, but being able to reach a larger uh, sort of outer shell of people with a more lightweight uh, way of consuming content from Nuzzle just via email. Great. And so what, what do you think is the most effective thing for you guys in terms of customer acquisition today? Like what's working the best? You know, I think it's honestly, it's still something that we're working on because we have uh, a loyal group of people. There are people like yourself who use Nuzzle every day with amazing engagement and retention. And the kind of people who use Nuzzle is an amazing list. I mean, you know, like I said, you know, including many um, famous investors or journalists, but in terms of really taking what we're doing and reaching the, the big audience. I mean, that's something that we're still really working on. And that's why we launched the newsletter platform a few months ago. And now with the newsletter platform, we're working on a bunch of things. So we are trying to create tools to make it really easy for people to um, upload lists or invite their contacts to use the newsletters and give people sort of the emotional rewards uh, to do that and, and after they have done that. Uh, we're trying to do things to increase sort of the interactivity with the subscribers you have. Uh, we're working on some SEO stuff. Uh, we're also talking to um, companies that might want to use the platform who might be able to bring existing audiences onto our platform. And that's that's like a real shift for us because prior to the newsletter platform, people would use Nuzzle every day as sort of a, a consumption experience 
they would be using it with high engagement and retention and getting a lot out of it, but they weren't necessarily doing something that brought other people onto the platform. They might tell their friends about it, but that's not really quite the same as now having a, a platform where you might bring a, a list of, uh, of people that you already have to your newsletter, or you might integrate um, a newsletter subscription form on your existing website or, or things like that. Um, we're also talking to media companies about using our platform because I think many news and publishing and media companies right now are definitely interested in email newsletters because it's one of the few things that's working that, that is sort of an alternative to getting a lot of your traffic from Facebook and then Facebook can change sort of the rules of how their system works at any time. And our platform is a way for people to do email newsletters uh, with a lot less time and effort so that they can have more newsletters or maybe uh, uh, take advantage of the engagement features or maybe just save a lot of time. So we think that's another way to potentially grow Nuzzle by by really, you know, having other companies using Nuzzle as a as a platform, which is a lot of, you know, a lot of what social media about is people using these platforms to promote themselves, and in doing so, they're also, you know, essentially promoting Medium or promoting Twitter or promoting a podcast, and that's something that, you know, when Nuzzle was just sort of a a news reading tool, didn't really have compared to our newsletter platform. Yeah, you know, I've really been wanting to do the newsletter thing for a while. I mean, we've curated one for a while, and I had, I've had to spend like a couple minutes each week sending like five links or whatever. And then I've looked at other people that I follow in the tech space, and they have their newsletters. But when I look at the tools that they're using, it's like, oh, it's a couple hundred bucks a month. I'm just like, you know, maybe I don't want to do that. Um, so maybe Nuzzle makes sense. And I'm glad that we had this conversation because now my newsletter is going to come up. So thank you for that. Absolutely. That'd be great. Yeah. I mean, I think some people try doing a newsletter using like MailChimp or Tiny Letter, which are great tools. But then I think after a while, they they just stop doing it or they forget or it's too much. It gets tiring or it's too much work or things like that. Or they send it very sporadically, uh, things like that. And, you know, what we're doing is we're we're you know, creating a tool where we can recommend content to you that you can put in your newsletter, or you can use Nuzzle to just send in story, stories while you're reading them from any app or website, and then we're doing a lot of the work for you. So it's a much less, uh, it's less work, it's more automated, it's a, it's a much more streamlined use case, because otherwise I think for a lot of people, it's just too much work. I mean, we want to make sending a newsletter as easy as just, you know, tweeting an you know, interesting article on your Twitter account, and that's super easy, and a lot of people do that. The problem is, you know, you you do that and it's great and I love Twitter, but the reality is 75% of people in America don't even use Twitter. And even the people who are on Twitter and following you might have missed that tweet. So, you know, I think in addition to using things like Twitter and Facebook, if you really do want to have some sort of email marketing channel. And this is a way to do that a lot easier. Love it. Okay. So tell us about one big struggle you faced while growing Nuzzle. Well, I think one of the struggles we've really faced was just coming to grips with the realities of, of who who uses news apps, as well as the, the fact that like news apps are not really inherently viral. So when we were doing Friendster, you know, we created one of the sort of you know, unique, truly viral types of, of services because people were, it's the Metcalf effect. I mean, the, the your use of Friendster increased the more friends that were using it. So you had a, a strong motivation to invite your friends and nag your friends to be on Friendster with you. And the reality is, uh, something like a calendar app or a mail app or a news reading app, I think just doesn't necessarily have that. So you could use Nuzzle every day and love it, even if your friends are not using it uh, as well. And people do recommend it to their friends, but it's not quite the same as saying, you know, this is really great, as, as really, really, you know, your life actually 
you know, your usage of it being improved, you know, by getting your friends on. So it's not, you know, these things are not inherently viral, but also we realize that, again, like mainstream audiences don't necessarily use these kinds of things. And we noticed that that this was a bigger thing than Nuzzle. So Circa was a news app startup that was doing cool things and they went out of business. There was a company called Prismatic. They went out of business. Uh, Zeit shut down. The breaking news app from, I think, NBC, that just shut down. Um, Facebook had a few experimental apps, Notify and Paper, that they shut down. Uh, so we realized this in general. You know, apps in general are really hard. Like trying to get people to use new apps, app retention. I mean, the number of apps that people use is actually amazingly low. Why did you want to do an app? So it's like a, it's like a death row right now. Well, we've never been just an app company. So mobile, obviously, is incredibly important. And, of course, a lot of our emails are open on mobile devices. And so the reality is email is mobile. I mean, a lot of people, what, you know, what's the number one app many people use on their phone? Email. And, you know, once upon a time, it was only CEOs or, or certain people at Blackberries. I mean, today, everybody essentially has 24-hour, uh, you know, 24-7 access to their email. Uh, so Nuzzle actually started off originally as a web prototype. Before we even launched, we had thousands of people sort of playing around with the prototype. And that's something actually it's very hard to do, at least on iOS. Uh, so we actually started off as a web prototype first. Then we, and, and then before we even launched to the public, the users of the web prototype immediately started asking for a daily email digest that many of them wanted. So we added that. Then we launched it to the public, and we had already started working on our iOS app because that was just another thing that a lot of people asked for. So then we launched the iOS app. And um, and then after that, we, we launched iPad and we launched um, Android. And probably around two-thirds of our users do use the iOS or Android app. So the reality is it is a big part of how people use Nuzzle. I mean, I think it's a big part of how people use anything these days. And the fact that you can actually now use Nuzzle to curate an email newsletter on your phone while you're you know on the bus or standing in line at Starbucks waiting for your coffee – I mean, I think that's pretty amazing. I think that's just the kind of convenience that people want these days. People people are very busy these days, right? Everybody, I mean, things are just living in a crazy world. And if you can curate that newsletter and with a few taps on your phone while you're waiting in line to get coffee, I think that's the kind of convenience that a lot of people want. And it's going to you know, make it more likely that people can find the time to do it. So I think mobile is very important. But you don't want to be you know, necessarily just uh, an app. And certainly, I think it's, it's, it's hard for apps to be viral. It's a lot of work uh, to install an app. So I think if people can discover Nuzzle uh, via an email or something and then subscribe to something, and then maybe eventually they will, uh, in that email, see that we have an app, and then, and then some of those people will, will um, upgrade and, and download the app. All right. Well, I'm going to do that right after this in terms of the newsletter. Super excited for it. I might just end it right now just so I can do it. I'm just kidding. Um, but you know, I, I do remember listening to the Internet History podcast where, where you talked about Friendster. I want to touch upon Friendster for a little bit, but it's not going to be all about that. You know, you got it to over 100 million members, um, and then you, you had a lot of great experiences there, um, or a lot of experiences, I should say. So what are what are some lessons, big lessons that you learned and, you know, what are some mistakes to kind of avoid just so people know? Well, I think the biggest mistakes at, at Friendster were really people mistakes. They weren't necessarily mistakes related to growth or marketing, but then the people, you know, mistakes led to management mistakes, which led to technology mistakes, which eventually really hurt our growth. So it's it's all kind of connected. Um, so in the early days when we started the company, we had absolutely no idea that this would be a real thing. And so it's kind of hard to remember because, you know, 
MySpace and Facebook didn't come along that long after Friendster, but the experience that we had was completely different because we were inventing this concept, the features, and had absolutely no idea. Like, you get an email with somebody requesting to say you're their friend, yes or no. Would people really do that? And now, of course, it's the most ubiquitous thing, and you, you get it on, on all sorts of things, and it seems normal to people, especially people who've grown up with that. But, but like, when we were working on this, we had no idea. So uh, that was, that was you know, part of it. As we launched it, it immediately started growing virally, and it grew really fast, pure organic. And then what really unfortunately happened was we had management problems and technology problems uh, and scaling problems, and a lot of people just couldn't use uh, our site. It just was, was, was buggy, it was slow, it was unstable. And then a lot of people shifted and moved off to, to MySpace, uh, which was what, not at all the first competitor copycat. There were many others. So there were many, many, and you know, one of them ended up, I think, you know, succeeding for a while, MySpace. As, as, and part of that was that, that a lot of people were just finding it too hard to use Friendster because of all the problems. Um, and then ultimately, MySpace, I think, uh, you know, they went through management problems as they were acquired and went through different CEOs. And ultimately, I think the vision of Friendster of people connecting with their real friends, using their real names, and that real concept of the social graph was correct. And it was actually Facebook that ended up being the company that really um, ended up inheriting that vision as Friendster stumbled. And then it, I think it turned out that that was you know, sort of ultimately what won versus MySpace, which ended up, I think, going a little too far into fake friends and, uh, and you know, a lot of like, you know, sort of like, you know, crazy profile pages with animated glitter and all that kind of stuff that was, that was sort of popular temporarily, but ultimately, I guess, didn't have the same utility. Ultimately, I think that, you know, that Friendster, we actually had a great brand. We had um, a great, um, we had good timing and all the kind of things from the marketing's perspective probably were working, but ultimately uh, the the growth of the company ended up being um, crippled by the management of technology problems. It sounds like it's, you know in some cases you didn't have the right people in the right seat. So you know what are some hiring lessons uh, or maybe one hiring lesson you can share with everyone? Well, actually, I did have some, some great people at Friendster, but what happened was after we raised money from some big venture capital firms, uh, the company, uh, we went through different CEOs and, and different VPs were brought into the company and sort of new people were brought in. And those were people who had really sort of fancy resumes and pedigrees, but really didn't, didn't have a real, um, a real uh, understanding of the product. Um, they looked good on paper, but they ended up not being the right people. Um, so one of the early uh, team members at Friendster who actually predated the company's venture capital uh, funding, uh, Kent Lindstrom was the original COO, and he's actually the COO of Nuzzle and working together with me again. So we actually did have, I think, a lot of good people at Friendster, but then we ended up, I think, making some mistakes, hiring some people really based on their resumes and not really based on their their fit with with what we were doing. So I think that was that was a problem. And I think since then, I've sort of learned more to, to work with people that... Um, that sort of were passionate about what we were doing and had a compatibility and alignment with the team and the vision and all that kind of stuff and, and, and you know, not necessarily to focus on, on people that have certain types of resumes. What's one big change that you've made? Or actually, you know what, I'm going to switch the question. What's one big tool you added to your toolbox in the last year that's added a lot of value to your life? It could be, it doesn't have to be business related. It could be anything random. So any tool, but it can't be nuzzle. Oh, wow. 
boy, that's that's a hard one. I mean, uh, one big thing we did at at at, uh, at Nuzzle was we switched to using Amazon Web Services from a, a different vendor. I'm not going to say who, and that was uh, actually a big improvement. We we had been having a lot of problems. That was a big change we made at, at at Nuzzle. We switched to using Slack, which we use every day. That's been going well. Um, boy, let's see what else. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm sometimes I'm not actually the the earliest adopter myself of some of these things. I mean, I'm just you know I use iOS and don't have a Amazon Echo. I don't have an Apple Watch. I don't have actually you know some of these tools and gadgets that, that a lot of the other Silicon Valley people have. Yeah, I'm not really sure what new stuff we've been using lately. No, I mean that that's a huge change. I think you know moving to AWS. I mean every time you know we've been able to do it or I've seen people do it, um, it's it's had a huge impact. So good, good, good tip there. Here's another one for you. What's one must-read book you'd recommend to everyone? Well, you know, I I, I a lot of times say. Uh, Jerry Kaplan's book, Startup a Silicon Valley Venture, but I think I've already said that so many times in other podcasts that I want to, I want to, you know, say something different. And let's see, you know, honestly, running a company does not actually give you all the time in the world you'd like for reading. So I'm trying to think of uh, of something that I've read uh, that I've read recently. I have a huge, huge stack of books beside my bed that I have not gotten to. Right now, I'm actually in the middle of reading a book called The Three-Body Problem, which is a Chinese science fiction book that won a lot of awards that everybody in Silicon Valley seems to be talking about right now. And uh, I'm actually finding it to be a you know a very uh, confusing and complicated book. Well, what is it about? Um, so I'm Chinese. Tell me more. I'm not sure if I can recommend it yet because I'm still, I'm still in the middle of it. Huge, big award winner, both in China and in the the uh, translated version in America, and it's this really bizarre science fiction book. But that, that, I'm actually in the middle of reading that right now, and I and I'm 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 not sure yet if I can give it my recommendation. But everybody in Silicon Valley seems to be talking about it. Great, we'll be dropping those in the show notes. Um, yeah, so Jonathan, this has been really good. What's the best way for people to find you online? It's on Twitter. Uh, that's kind of where I'm really active. Uh, I'm at Abrams on. Uh, on Twitter, that's probably, I think, maybe how you and I met. And so I do, you know, I interact with a lot of people about Nuzzle on Twitter, um, getting uh, bug reports, feature requests, um, talking to people on, on Twitter that um, sometimes uh, journalists that end up writing about Twitter. So I, I found that, 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 you know, certainly for the kind of people who use Nuzzle, Twitter has been amazing. And I'm, that's kind of that's where I'm the most active on Facebook. My tweets just get sort of reposted onto Facebook. Love it. Okay. Well, everyone, make sure you check out Nuzzle. I'm going to open up my app right after. I'm going to do my newsletter. So check that one out. Uh, Jonathan, thanks so much for doing this. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week, and remember to take action and continue growing.